This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg So we learned last time the advantage of the mitzvot, the deed, the action. That when you physically touch the mitzvah, when you do the mitzvah, you have the object of the mitzvah, you have the essence. This object is, you're touching the divine. This object is Hashem. It's Hashem's will. The energy of this object and the existence of this object is godly, the infinite. And I'm tangibly touching the divine. This is not the case concerning one's intention while performing the mitzvah of the esrik. With intentions, however, with the mystical intention of the mitzvah, I can't really grasp, I can't really relate to and connect with the subject matter. Because you're dealing with esoteric, mystical, spiritual anything we can't see or taste or touch or smell we don't really can't really grasp it's like a blind person, tell a blind person what was born blind, what sight is like he doesn't know what you're talking about so you talk about spirituality it's so far from us because I, I can't touch it, I can't see it I can't hear it, I can't taste it So it's beyond our grasp. We can talk about it, but it's not concrete, it's not solid, it's not real. Something that I can touch, I can grasp, is real. Very first touch, children, right? The very first, they touch, everything has to touch. Power of touch, very powerful. So this is real to me. Something material, something physical, it's solid, it's real. It's actual. Anything spiritual, let alone godly, we talk about it. It's words, but do I know what I'm talking about? No idea. How do you grasp it exactly? I don't have a firm grasp. I, don't, I can't see it. I don't know what it is, really. I can talk about it. But I don't really know what it is. It's not the case concerning one's intention while performing the mitzvah of the etrog. Here, even if he is familiar with the mystical, Kabbalistic, and Hasidic meanings involved, he does not grasp and hold on to the essence of Malchut of the source of the Esra, but only to the external fact of its mere existence. This is entirely unlike holding a physical Esra and performing the mystical with it, at which time one grasps the essence of the physical Esra together with its source in divinity. There are many things in science, we talk about it, we see the results, but we don't understand it. We don't understand electricity, but we see the results. Whether you understand it or not, you're going to put your finger in the socket, you're going to get electrocuted. 
we know, we talk about reality as we don't really understand it. We don't know what it is. But we can observe the effect. We see the body-mind connection, the, the ego-mind connection, the body-soul connection. We don't understand it, but we just can observe the facts, the reality, the, the, the results. So we talk about the intent behind the mitzvah, the esrog, it's rooted in the level of the divine attribute of royalty. Divine, what's divine? Attributes, divine attribute. What's a divine attribute? The roy- what's a divine attribute of royalty? We can talk about it. But do I really know what I'm talking about? Do I really know what I'm... I-, I can't grasp it. I can't picture it. I can't... It's words. I try to the best of my ability. I try it, but it's very abstract. So I can understand from human royalty. So I try to understand human royalty is a parable... Parallel helps me try to understand the idea of divine royalty, divine majesty, but do I truly, truly understand? You go to the Emirates, you get a sense of what majesty is, and royalty, but do I, really, do I really know what divine royalty is, majesty is? So you can't compare. When you do the mitzvah, you're touching the divine, the object of the mitzvah, the esrog, the physical esrog. I'm holding the esrog in my hand. This esrog is the divine. It's the infinite, Hashem's will. This is a sacred object. It's a holy object. The intent behind it. Words. Abstract words. Very abstract. However, by studying the laws of the esrog, one does attain and grasp the esrog proper and its mitzvah appropriately by speech and thought. For here he is articulating or understanding or thinking about the laws of the physical esrog whose essence he can grasp and not its spiritual intent in the heavenly realm. So when you're learning, we're not just talking about the mitzvah, even not the, the physical mitzvah when you're holding the esrog, but even learning the laws of the esrog. When I'm learning the laws of the esrog, I know what I'm talking about. I know the subject matter. I know what an esrog is. Esrog is real. So when I'm learning about it, my mind is grasping the laws and I'm learning about the laws of the esteric and all the details, all the specifics. My mind can grasp the subject matter. I can firmly grasp and become one with the subject matter. I know exactly what we're talking about. It's very real to me. So even though I'm just learning the laws, but, but that type of learning, learning laws about something physical, about a mitzvah which is practical, since I can envision it and I can experience it, I know exactly what we're talking about. So the learning and the unification of my mind, of the subject matter, I, I completely absorb the subject matter. Because I'm learning about an esrog, the details of the esrog, the size of the esrog, and the shape of the esrog, and what type of esrog, all the details, all the specifics, all the laws of the esrog. So my mind understands what I'm talking about. And therefore, by learning Torah, you become one with the mind of Hashem. But since the Torah that you're learning are the practical laws, practical mitzvah, so I'm learning about something that's tangible, that's very real to me. So my understanding of it is thorough. It's a total understanding. 
So therefore, my unification with Hashem, which results from the learning of Torah, is also a total unification. I'm becoming one with the essence because I understand the essence of the matter. So by understanding the essence of the matter, I'm becoming one with the essence of Hashem. The essence of Hashem's wisdom. But this is only true when you study the halacha, when you study about the esoteric. Even more so, he who studies the esoteric dimension of the mitzvah, of the esoteric, according to the teaching of the Kabbalah and Hasidur. So here too we are speaking of the esoteric dimension of the physical esoteric, whose essence he can comprehend and not of the spiritual intentions of the mitzvah, or yet higher, the relevant configurations of spherot in the world of the spirit. So anything that's associated with the asterisk, since I understand the asterisk, so all the intents that you have to have when you shake the asterisk and what, what you're supposed to think about, so all of this is very real to me. But when you talk about the root and the source of the asterisk and the divine emanation, royal, divine attribute of royalty, I don't know what divine is, I don't know what divine attribute is, I don't know what it looks like, I don't know what divine attribute of royalty really is. It's just abstract, it's words. That I don't grasp. But when you tell me the specific intent I have to have when I shake the yeser, when I'm learning the practical guidance and I'm learning halacha, the specific and the, the details and the concrete details, and even the intent that I'm supposed to have when I shake the lulav and the yeser, so since it's about the yeser and the yeser is concrete and real, so therefore... That's, that's very real. That's touching the essence. Versus. Versus if you're just studying the esoteric, or the Kabbalah, or the divine, or the Sfirot, or the angel, or the spiritual realms, the angels, and the different dimensions, and different worlds. So there I don't, I don't grasp the essence. I can talk about it. I know of its existence. And it's real. But it's like, it's like you're talking about a place you've never visited. Right? Talk about a place you've never visited. You can study and you can describe it. These are the mountains and valleys. But, but I was never there. I don't really know what I'm talking about. Someone who actually was there and seen it and experienced it. It's not just a, a symbol on a map this symbol and that symbol. It's just symbols, words. But I don't really know what it is. But someone who's there, when you experience it, it's a whole different story. But we can only experience the physical. An astronomer talks about the stars. It's symbols. You know. You've never been there. <laughs> you don't really know what it's like until you're there. Maybe now with the virtual reality, all that is going to change. Pretty amazing, uh, powerful, revolutionary stuff. Because it simulates experience. Until it's going to get so good, you won't even be able to tell the difference between the actual and the, the experience, as if you're at the, at the simulation. Because, you know, imagine you can visit travel, you know, without even leaving your room. 
and actually experience it for real. It's so real that you can hear the water rushing and smell and feel. I mean, it's going to revolutionize education. Imagine learning the Torah and everything in the Torah comes alive in a very immersive, experiential way. With all the emotions that are involved, you know, you, you, feel, you feel fear, exhilaration, thrill, which, which then which, uh, makes sure that the learning is memorable, you know. Any time you learn and you experience it and you have very deep, intense feelings, you'll never forget that learning. So it's really uh, very exciting times ahead. I mean, that's <laughs> but right now we're still in the two-dimensional realm. Everything is abstract. It's symbols. It's points, like points in a map. It's descriptions, but it's not real. Especially you took the whole world of Kabbalah, you talk about ten Svirot and four worlds and angels and souls. and It's all real, but we're not experiencing it. We're just talking about it like on a map, symbols. You know, you, you, it's, not, it's not experiential, it's not tangible, it's not uh, the essence of it. It's just a symbol. So you can't compare when you do the mitzvah, it's the essence. When you're learning the halacha about the mitzvah, it's the essence. When you even learn the secrets of how, what you have to have in mind when you shake the lulav and the esrog when you're doing, it's all about the the esrog, which is the essence that I know. But when you talk about the esoteric and the mystical, that's just symbolic, it's symbols, it's words, it's not the essence. This, however, refers only to the study of the Kabbalah, the mysterious of the mitzvah itself. For this is not inferior to the study of its laws, indeed quite, even though it does not apprehend the essence of the spiritual intent of the mitzvah as it applies to villages of Atzibot. Moreover, his understanding of essence of the ethro, the object with which the mitzvah is observed, grant him some comprehension of the essence of the mystical riches of the subject at large. It does not apply to the study of the order of Ishtar Shalut, the chain-like stage of progressive self-screening whereby the divine light descends from level to level until ultimately this corporate world is created. Even if one does comprehend the external aspect of the existence of the Sephirot and spiritual levels involved, this is not intrinsically worthy as the study of the laws of the Mitzvah, where one comprehends and grasps their essence. You can't compare studying the Kabbalah and the Esoteric with the advantage of learning the Halach, of learning what you think is dry, technical laws and rules and do's and don'ts and how you do the mitzvah and all the specifics and all this detail. But there's, it, in a certain sense, that's superior to the study of the Kabbalah and the mystical and esoteric. Because this you understand, you understand the essence, you're touching the essence. With the study of the Kabbalah, you're not touching the essence. You're barely scratching the surface. You're just skimming the surface. You're, you're, you're catching the wave, the most external, superficial wave. You're not really 
touching the essence. With halacha, I'm getting down to the nitty-gritty. I'm touching the essence. The divineness. My soul is becoming unified with the essence of Hashem. Because I completely absorb the subject matter. When I study Kabbalah, I cannot say I absorb the subject matter. I have no idea what I'm talking about. It's also abstract and esoteric and beyond my comprehension. We're dealing with realities that we can barely grasp. Not realities that we can see. Realities that are so beyond us. Anything that's a little spiritual we can't even see. Let alone the higher realms and higher worlds and angels and the divine realm and, the, and beyond the divine realm. The, the, the world is beyond Atzilut and primordial man and the, uh, let alone the infinite, li- infinite light. It's so beyond. So how could you compare to the study of the halach, study of the law? Which is why it's such an essential part of a Jew's life to study the halach. To do the mitzvah and to study the halach. Because that's the only way we can touch the, the divine essence. Knowledge of the various spiritual levels may indeed be superior for an unrelated reason, namely, that it leads to a complete heart, lev shalem, a wholehearted awe of God. And this, as the altar Rebbe will later say, is the purpose of all the mitzvot. Intrinsically, however, gaining this knowledge is not superior to studying the laws of governing the performance of the mitzvot, whose essence he can understand. Moreover, this study is considered, in certain cases, the equivalent of actual performance. As it is written, this is the law of the burnt offering and the meal offering. The Gemara comments on this, he who occupies himself with these laws is considered as if he had actually offered a burnt offering and a meal offering. Mastering the revealed laws of the commandments is thus in one sense superior to delving into the innermost dimension, the Pnimiyut of the Torah. On esoteric subjects such as the order of the Hishtal Shalut, for the study of the laws related to the essence of the subject at hand, such as the physical object with which the commandments are performed. God's wisdom, moreover, which is inherent in these laws, descends and permeates the physical object around which the laws evolve. It is thus the essence of God's wisdom that the student comprehends, and thereby he becomes involved in the wondrous union described in chapter 5 of Tanya, whereby his mortal intellect simultaneously encompasses and is encompassed by the divine wisdom embodied in the Torah which he is studying. This intellectual union, in turn, unites his soul, which transcends his intellect, with the infinite life that is vested in the wisdom of the Torah. The above is true only when he understands the essence of his subject. This is the case when he studies, for example, the laws regulating the observance of the commandments. If, by contrast, his subject is the hierarchies of angels in the world of Beriah, Yetzirah, and Asiyah, or yet higher, the configurations of Sirot within the world of Atzilut, then his grasp is no more than external. He may indeed be aware of the subject's existence, 
but we were unable to know its essence. This gives you a tremendous fire in, in, in learning the laws and doing the mitzvot. But now he's going to say, notwithstanding, yes, it's true, that by absorbing the material, the subject matter, and becoming one and understanding it thoroughly, your unification with Hashem is much deeper. It's the essence touching the essence. Versus when you study the Kabbalah and the Esoteric, there's no way you can truly understand and grasp the subject matter. We're just too finite and too limited and too dense. But nevertheless, there is an advantage of studying the Kabbalah and the esoteric and the mystical and Hasidut. And a person can say, listen, so I might as well just focus my entire attention. Let me just focus on Talmud and Halacha. Why am I spending time? Why am I wasting my time with studying the esoteric when it's impossible for me to ever truly grasp the subject matter. I can never understand its essence. So, I'm like, I'm climbing a, a, a cliff, a sheer cliff. What's the point? I can never, I can never ever really grasp the subject matter. So why spend so much energy and so much effort? Why is that so important? Why is that so critical? Now he's going to explain why it's critical, it's important. Despite the limitation, there's something superior, there's something unique and special about studying the esoteric and the Kabbalah. And now, all of the above notwithstanding, the author Rebbe is about to point out the superior aspect of the study of Ishtashalut. However, the knowledge of the existence of Ishtashalut is also a lofty and exalted mitzvah. Indeed, it outweighs them all. And all of the mitzvot and the study of the laws of the Torah. Thus, it is written now this day that the Lord is God. And now the God of your Father. There is an obligation to attain a knowledge of apprehension of divinity. Moreover, this leads to a whole heart for the latter verse concludes and serve him with the whole heart and knowledge of God leads one to serve him with one's entire being. So he says two things. Firstly, he says that in a way this, is, this outweighs and is superior to knowing all the halachas of all the mitzvahs. It's so critical and so essential for us to know Hashem and to know the whole hishtal shalut, the whole structure, how Hashem set up the universe and the, the Kabbalah and the different worlds and the different realms and the parallel universes and the ten svirot and all the different stages and how Hashem, how Hashem created this world which ultimately leads to our physical world. This is an essential in our service of Hashem. As it says in the verse, Hashem says you should know Hashem. It doesn't say you should have faith in Hashem, believe in Hashem. Believe in Hashem is not enough. 
As Maimonides says, the mitzvah is to know and believe. You have to know Hashem. You have to learn, you have to study, you have to know Hashem. So the knowledge of Hashem, this is the ultimate. This is what Judaism is all about. I'm busy learning Torah. I'm busy learning Talmud. All my life, every day and all day, I'm studying in depth Talmud and Allah. But I forgot one minor detail. Hashem, <laughs> what are you doing exactly? You're playing chess? You're learning math, science, physics? It's a clever subject? It's an intelligent subject? It's a deep subject? This is not an intellectual exercise. You're learning Torah. You're learning about Hashem. It's Hashem's will. You're learning His mitzvah. It's all about Hashem. The whole Torah is all about Hashem. What's the ultimate purpose is to know Hashem. As my Maimonides. Maimonides. In his magnum opus, the 14 books, starts out. The laws of the foundations of the Torah. And he starts out. The foundation of all foundation, the pillar of all pillar, of all wisdom, is to know that there is Hashem. And he spends four chapters. The first two chapters he talks about Hashem and in great detail. And the second two chapters he talks about the, wind, the wonders and the wisdom that we see in Hashem's creation. This is all called Pardis. Pardis, this is the garden. What I just told you, he says... This is the first two chapters he calls Maisim Merkava, which talks about the chariots, talks about the angels, and talks about the whole structure, the divine structure. Which we shouldn't even discuss. What? Which is, the Kabbalah says you shouldn't even discuss it. Oh, what's that? Well, listen to what Maimonides <laughs> says. And the second two chapters is called Maisim Beresha, the wonders of creation. The Ram says, the rabbi said, he quotes the rabbis, a person should not take a walk in the pardas, don't take a walk in this orchard, in this beautiful orchard and garden, until you fill your stomach with bread. The bread and butter is the Talmud, the 613 mitzvah, the halachat, and the law. Once you already have the bread, and you know the whole Talmud, then you can go and take a stroll in this wonderful park, in this beautiful orchard, this beautiful garden. And he says, this is what the rabbis say, they call the great thing and the small thing. It said, the rabbis say, in the, the attracted sukkah, Hillel had 80 students. The uh, greatest of them was Jonas and Benazil. Jonas and Benazil was so great that when he studied Torah, there was such holiness that when the birds would fly over him, they would burn from the holiness, they would die. It was too intense. You know, the Hasidim learning this passage are very excited about the holiness of Yen Zub and Nazil. So the Mithnagid wants to know if Yen Zub and Nazil is obligated to pay the damages for the bird because he caused it. The, the, the smallest of the student was Rabbi Yochanan ben Zaka. Yochanan ben Zaka, who saved the, whole, saved the whole rabbi, saved the Jewish people. And he says, Talmud describes his greatness. That he didn't leave a great thing and a small thing. Besides, he knew, all, he knew the, the language of trees and the language of, 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 of grass and, and, and uh, shadim and angels. But, but he did not leave this great thing and the small thing. What's the great thing? The great thing, the Talmud says, is... The, 
the works of the chariot, the vision of the chariot, the esoteric, the mystical. He was a master of the mystical and esoteric parts of the Torah. The small things are havayas da bayavidava, the discussions in the Talmud. So he says, my man that he says, that the small things, that's all this discussion, the Talmud, the halacha, that's small things. All these technical, mechanical discussions, that's small things. What's the great thing? Great things are to know Hashem, to know the works of the chariots, to know the angels, and to know the worlds, and to know Hashem, to know the divine. Rabbi Yosef Karo, who wrote a commentary on the Maimonides, the Kesef Mishnah, writes very, very sharply. He says, Hashem should forgive Maimonides for writing this. He should never have written this. How could you call the Talmud and all the Talmudic discussions small things? God forbid, this is the bread and butter. This is, this is, this is Torah. What do you mean, the small things? This is a small thing? He says what the Talmud means is that for the great Tanoim, for the authors of the Mishnah, for them, the discussions, the later discussions of the later generations, the long, intricate discussions, for them it was a small thing, because it wasn't necessary for them. The rabbis had such clarity. One passage, one paragraph of a Mishnah becomes 20 pages in the Talmud, but for the rabbis of the Mishnah it was all there. They, they didn't need this long, verbose, Articulation For them it was clear. They saw it. When a person sees things clearly, he's very cryptic. He doesn't need long words. He doesn't need many words. He sees it. I can say it in one sentence. I, I see the whole thing. I see the whole picture. When you see the whole picture, it's a, it's a minute. But when you don't see, and you don't have that clarity, then it's a torturous process. You have to express everything and find the words. And your neshama, you can pull your neshama out till, till you're able to get the whole picture, till you're able to paint the whole picture. So for them, Rabbi Yechon ben and his, for him, this was small things. This great discussion, which by us is, it was a small thing. He didn't need all these discussions. It was so clear to him. But God forbid to say the, the Kesef mission says Rabbi Yosef Karo that the Talmudic discussions, this is a small thing. This is the essence of the Torah. And that makes sense with what we just learned because this is, when you learn the halacha and you have all these discussions, you're discussing something, you're, you're touching the essence because I'm dealing with something that's tangible and I'm dealing with, with, with the essence and therefore I'm touching the essence of Hashem and therefore, yes, it does engage us totally. Most of our time is in, occupied and engaged in studying the halacha of the Torah, in knowing all the halacha and all its details because I'm touching the essence. By studying the laws of the Torah, I'm touching the divine essence. My mind becomes one and absorbed and becomes, merges with the divine essence, with the infinite divine wisdom that's in this Torah, in this Allah. But Maimonides does write what he writes. And he says, no, Rabbi Yosef Karo is wrong. All these discussions are a small thing. Because Maimonides at the very end of his magnum opus, at the very end of Yad HaChazak, the last two chapters, and the very end, the last chapter, the climax, when he describes Mashiach, which is the ultimate, 
He says, when Mashiach will come, the main occupation of the world, Jew as well as Gentile, will be nothing other than knowing Hashem. You won't have to work. Robots will be doing everything. You won't have to work. There'll be an abundance of materialism. It won't have any value. It'll be meaningless. It'll be abundant energy, abundant everything. You won't, you won't, be, it won't even be necessary. So what are you gonna, how are you going to engage your time? What are you going to do all day and every day? You're going to learn, pursue knowledge, information, and knowledge, the ultimate knowledge and knowledge of Hashem. And then he adds Bilvad, exclusively. And he's referring to the, the Jewish people, you won't even have to engage in the Talmud anymore. You learn it once, you remember it, you'll have total recall. You won't have to engage in it. You won't have to have an ASIC. You won't have to be involved in it. You'll learn it once, you'll know it. What's going to be your whole entire engagement, involvement, in depth, in the mystery, in the mystical, in the, the infinite, in Hashem, the knowledge of Hashem? So according to Maimonides, this is what the Torah is telling us. This is the ultimate wisdom. All wisdoms, the ultimate wisdom is to know Hashem. This is a great thing. Maisim Merkava, the chariot, knowing Hashem. So if a person says, I'm busy all day and every day, I only study Talmud, I only study Halacha. I have no time for Tanya, I have no time for Hasidut, I have no time for the mystical, the esoteric. This is the equivalent of all the other mitzvot because this is knowing Hashem. This is what it's all about. This is the essence of Judaism. This is the great thing. This is the purpose. This is the ultimate. This is where it's all leading to. So what do you mean? I'm busy learning Torah, but I, I don't have time for Hashem. I'm learning His Torah, His mitzvot, but I don't have time to study about Him Himself, Hashem Himself. Does that make any sense? Absurd. So just because I can't understand the subject matter, because it is divine and it is esoteric and it is abstract, but it's so important, it's so essential, this is what it's all about. I have to make the time and make it an essential part of my life. Just like I spend hours every day studying Talmud and studying Halacha, I have to spend hours and time studying about Hashem. The Pasuk says you have to know Hashem. It's not enough, I believe in Hashem. That's why you have the tragedy. You meet most yeshiva students who went to yeshiva all their life from when they're two, three years old. Study Torah 18 hours a day. And you try to have a conversation about Hashem. Conversation about God. It's, it's a minute conversation. There's nothing to say. I believe in God. I mean, that's it. Now, you want to discuss the stock market. You want to discuss... You have a few days, a few hours. I can tell you all my chachmalach and all, everything I figured out and everything I understand. So every other area in your life you can talk about for hours in a very mature, sophisticated, in-depth way. When it comes, about, when it comes to Hashem, I have nothing to say. I believe. That's a child. That's childish. That's like a kindergarten level understanding. 
great Rabbi Yitzchak Barditcher, the great Hasidic master, when he became a, you know, he didn't grow up as a Hasid. They were the, like the first generation, the first, the second generation of Hasidim. They didn't. So he ran away and he became a Hasid and he came back home. His father says, I don't understand. Why did you have to run? What did you learn in rich that I didn't teach you or we didn't teach you here? He says, I learned that there's a God in this world. He says, really? For this he had to run away? He turned to the maid. He says, Sarala, is there a God in this world? Says, of course. So he says, you see, even Sarki the maid knows that there's a God in this world. He says, he had to run away. But did you smile? He says, she says it, but I know it. And that's why I ran away from this reach. Yes, I believe in God, which who doesn't believe in God. But it's not real. If there are no words, if there's no understanding, if there's no conversation, it's like a pre-1A level understanding. That's why the verse says the, you have to know Hashem. The mitzvah is to know and to believe. The Rambam says not just to believe, to know and to believe. It's part of the mitzvah of unifying Hashem and part of the mitzvah of believing in Hashem, to know Hashem, to understand Hashem. The maximum of your human ability means you have to learn it and you have to understand it. And just like you understand a deep passage in the Talmud, you have to delve into deeply and try to understand as best humanly possible. It means spending time and learning and internalizing and digesting, even though it's very difficult because the whole subject matter, it's not anything that's tangible. You're dealing with something that's very abstract and very esoteric. But that's the mitzvah. It has to engage you. It has to engage your mind. Hashem has to engage your mind. Every part of your mind, every part of your brain that has to think about it and delve deeply into it. And that's expressed in the Code of Jewish Law. It says before you pray, a Jew is obligated to think about how insignificant we are, how small we are, how low we are. And we have to think about how great and lofty Hashem is, how infinite Hashem is. And we have to think about it. It has, to, it has to leave an impression on us, which only comes about when you, when you understand it. Then it affects you. Then it changes you. It inspires you moves you, elevates you. So this only when you know and, and you understand. So this is an essential part. That's what Al-Tarebi is saying, that just because we brought out the superiority and the advantage of studying halacha, and that's why we spend most of our life studying the halacha and, and, and the, the revealed part of the Torah and the Talmud and all the discussions in the Talmud and the halacha. But not because the other part is not important. It's essential and think about it. If you ask yourself, Maimonides makes no sense. In his introduction, he says that the book is written for the greatest Jew and for the smallest Jew. So he starts out four chapters discussing the work of the chariots, the angels, and then the divine. Then two chapters, all the infinite wisdom that Hashem placed in this world in creation, my sabbatations. And then he says, don't take a walk in this garden, in this orchard, until first you mastered the bread, the small things. And then you go to the big things. So why are you telling me all of this? Why did you just spend four chapters explaining to me, and then you finish, 
don't don't read this. I, I mean, now you tell me, so why why'd you put it in? So the Rebbe explains, listen carefully what my manager is saying. My manager says, don't take a walk. Take a walk means to luxuriate, to, to really delve deeply. My manager says, in order to be able to delve deeply into the esoteric, into the mystical, you have to be a scholar, you have to know your stuff, you have to know the bread, you have to have the bread and butter. If you're an ignoramus and you don't know the halacha and you don't know the small things, the discussion, which is all the discussions in the Talmud and the whole halacha, which is in the next 14 books, that my man is this magnum opus, which he calls small things. So in order to delve deeply, to be able to take a walk, or like to really go to town with it, in depth, that first you have to master the bread and butter, and then you can get to the orchard, to the pardis. But the foundations, the principles, the core principles, the foundations, this is the foundation of all foundations. This is the pillar of wisdom. This is the beginning and the opening for everyone, from the greatest to the smallest. Hashem, this is what it's all about. Before you get to the halacha, before you get to anything else, the Rambam starts with the first four chapters. This is the foundation. Knowing Hashem, this is the pillar and the foundation. What do you mean it's not part of your life? I'm busy learning Gemara, I'm busy learning Allah, I don't have time to learn Hasidus, I don't have time to learn... What are you? You're missing the foundation, you're missing the whole pillar, you're missing your wisdom, you're missing everything. Not a detail, this is the foundation, this is what it's all about. This is the olive base. That's what you have to start with. But you can never truly understand it in depth and really go to town with it until first you mastered all 14 books. And once the Rambam concludes all 14 books, once you mastered it, where do we arrive at? Mashiach. When the whole world, the whole occupation of Jew as well as non-Jew, 7 billion people will be exclusively the knowledge of Hashem. And Bilvad, the Jew won't even spend time engaged in the study of the Talmud. He'll learn it once, he'll know it, and his whole engagement, his mind will be fully occupied and engaged exclusively in knowing Hashem, in the esoteric knowledge which tells me today how essential this is. This is the great thing. This is what it's all about. This is the beginning, the middle, the end. So that's what the Al-Tareb is saying here. To know Hashem is essential. It overrides everything else. You can't, it's not, and it's really not a choice of this or the other. You need both. You need both. And indeed, all the great Kabbalists were masters of Allah. Rabbi Akiva, one of the four, went to the Pardis, the only one who not only entered in peace, but left in peace. The whole oral Torah follows Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Shimon Bayechai, there's no other Tana who's quoted more in the old Shisa Sidre Mishnah, almost in every chapter, like Rabbi Shimon Bayechai. The master of Talmud, the master of Allah, and he was the author of the Zohar. The Bible of Jewish mysticism. The Harizal himself. He was the, 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 uh, the learning partner of the Shittim of Kabetzis. And it says everything he learned, he, every Allah he learned, he would sweat and break his head until he found six different ways of learning it. And he was the greatest Kabbalist that ever lived. Rabbi Yosef Karo was a mystic par excellence. We have the book, he had the angel who revealed himself to him and would, would teach him secrets of the Torah. Rabbi Moshe Isilish, Rabbi the Toysus Yantav, all the greats, the Raivet, 
And Maimonides himself, we just learned clearly what he believes, that this is the essence, this is the great thing. All the discussions in the Talmud are small things. The great thing, the important thing, the most important thing, the most central thing is the knowledge of Hashem. So it's not one or the other. They go hand in hand. The Alter Rebbe was the author of the Shulchan Aruch and the author of the Tanya. And it's Shnei'ur, in one name, two lights. He had both lights go are in one name, they're inseparable. So that's what he's emphasizing here. Just, like, just as it's important and it's critical and it's essential to learn the halacha and to know all the discussions of the Talmud and to know every mitzvah and all 613 mitzvahs and in depth and all the mechanics and all the details and because that's the essence, that's how our neshama touches the essence of Hashem. It's equally as critical, as essential to study the esoteric and the mystical and to delve deeply in it. The same way you delve deeply in a juicy passage of the Talmud, you have to delve deeply. You may have to work a little harder because you're dealing with something more abstract and more esoteric and, and spiritual. But this is essential. So these are our twin towers, these two pillars. The body and the soul are inseparable. The body of the Torah, the revealed part of the Torah, and the soul of the Torah, the esoteric and the mystical. You can't have one without the other. They're equally as essential and as critical to a Jew's life in connection with Hashem. And then second thing he says, we'll leave that to next time, second thing he says is that it leads to a whole heart. That it's only by studying the esoteric and the mystical, it leads to a whole heart. To serve Hashem wholeheartedly. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.